G'day sports fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Coming at you on a Wednesday evening. Joined again by the great man JLo for a huge, huge episode of the Sports Be Pod. We dove into the NBA Finals. 3-2, the Ledger's sitting at at the moment. By the time you're listening to this, Game 6 may be in the books. I've got a little bit of faith that Boston can extend the series, but I think the basketball fan in me wants to see Golden State get the dub and win the chip anyway. So we unpack everything to do with the NBA Finals, talk about Andrew Wiggins' performances, talk about Jason Tatum's shooting, talk a little bit about the championship window for both teams, and talk about a couple of other bits and pieces in the association, dive into a little bit of stuff with the Charlotte Hornets. And then after that, we dove into plenty of footy chat, did a little bit of a around the league check-in with a couple of teams, talk about the Pies, talked about the Giants, talked a little bit about the D's and their injury issues and their losing streak, which might not be a thing, but might be a thing. Uh, and then talked about our fantasy sides for a change. Uh, I was a bit over fantasy after the large fries and coke performance and a couple more injuries throughout the week complicate things with the trades, but glass are full approach we get three trades to use for the final time so we'll make sure we make the most of them and then finally in what i reckon is the best mount rushmore we've done yet jake and i decided to draft the afl players that we would want to take with us on mad monday so ripper episode ahead for you let's not waste any time the boys are back Wednesday evening, time to sit down with the great man, affectionately known as JLo, and discuss a bit of basketball, a bit of footy, and do another Ripper Mount Rushmore draft. How the bloody hell do you do on Wednesday, the 15th of June, JLo? I do well. I do well, mate. Uni's, uni's wrapped, pretty much. And uh, we've coming off a big GSFL win oh, yeah. against our bitter arch rivals. And co-tenants, the Derby, won the Derby. And uh, yeah, didn't drink on the weekend, which is what happens when it's a Sunday game. So I feel fresh as a daisy and just excited to talk about some some sports. We won't dive heavily into the GSFL, but I know that the Sportsby fans do want to hear how the Sharks are going. So uh, what was once arguably the least successful club in Australia is now five and two. Best start to any season. Like you said, just knocked yep. off the arch rivals in the Derby. Uh, I happily tooted the car horn like a good country football fan does and did not take part in said win, but also didn't have any beers on the weekend. So uh, have happily hit me sickness on the head and I'm feeling excited, raring to go. And I am very, very keen to watch Friday's game six of the NBA finals. Because I tell you what, I've no point you... Warriors win. <laughs> book it, put it in the book, take it to the bank. Uh, I know that you bank. probably haven't been as interested in this final series as I have, but uh, game five was probably the one that I didn't get to watch the whole game recap, but chewed through the bits that matter. Uh, and yeah, this series has, ve- has been very interesting, if you ask me. So, uh, your quick little uh, thoughts on where we sit rolling into game six. You've obviously just confirmed a uh, Golden State 20-point win, so congratulations to the Warriors if you're listening to this after Friday, but uh, yeah, yeah. How, how you think the finals are travelling and what do you reckon where we should expect moving forwards? 
Um, I think the the problem with Boston is their star scorers aren't that efficient. Mm. And, you know, the Warriors, one of the best scoring teams in the league, it, with or without Curry going, they've still got a great system. Draymond sets them up. Um, obviously, Clay's dangerous. Poole's dangerous. Wiggins is dangerous in the mid-range. Um, and they obviously have so much space because of the shooters that um, the inside's always quite open. So you can bank on Looney getting 10 points or Kaminga getting 10 points or, you know, one of their bigs, one of their sort of inside presences, just getting some easy dunks and layups. And um, and no matter how well defended that is, it's you just, you can't stop at all. And, you know, so they're going to get efficient looks, whether or not Curry's shooting well, like we sort of saw on that last game, wasn't great at all scoring wise, um, but still found ways to impact the game. And I just don't think Boston's offense is smooth enough to hang with the Warriors. You, you still need to score a hundred points to win a playoff game. Like it's going to be so rare in the modern age that you're going to go under a hundred and eke out a win. It would, it would be, rare and you would be eking out a win and i just don't think i don't think boston can hang at the moment so you know i think warriors will clean this one up and do it it's a bit of a show i'd almost rather than wait one more game and do it on their home court yeah but also fuck the warriors fans so (laughs) it would actually be beautiful the boston fans get to you know witness a championship but it's not them and the warriors fans miss out on the parade so um yeah, that's kind throwing, of what I'm hoping happens. Throwing hate at anyone uh, willing to stand in the firing line at the moment, just left, right, and center. Uh, I think oh, the Warriors fans suck, and and Boston, you know, Boston's Boston. So yeah, Boston as a whole, like regardless of sport, for probably the better part of like half a century, has built a reputation oh, yeah. of just being like ferals. But yeah, hundred percent. I'm kind of I'm kind of here for yeah. I'm kind of here for some of their antics i mean i don't know if you need to be chanting fuck you draymond but i can see why they think it's like gonna mess with his mojo and get in his head i'm a bit more 50 50 in regards to the result of game six i tell you what through five five games uh i've been fucking impressed with what andrew wiggins has dished up especially in the last couple like rebounding like a bolse uh he's had 43 points 29 rebounds in the last two uh, really, he's been their second best player other than Steph in this series. But a whole lot of their experience has really come to the, like, it's they've stepped up when it's mattered most. Like, Boston with just dumb turnovers. They kind of choked away game five, like game four that was in Boston when Steph was going off. They only scored, like, three points in the final five minutes as well. So they've had their moments, and they could have stole momentum and really stole a championship if you ask me but jason tatum still struggling with his shot you've been on that camp since i think it was a pre-finals podcast we were talking about it he's shooting 37 percent from the field and a lot of the layups they're just equating to turnovers i think he's now got the record for the most turnovers in a single playoff like stint overtook lebron uh he's just kind of like a bull in a china shot when he's going to the rack trying to get a call but not really concentrating on finishing the layup and then either turning it over or just missing badly shooting 47% from three. So his points per game average looks a bit better than probably what he's been playing, but 
yeah, Golden State's experience has really come to fruition. Clay hasn't had a greater series shooting wise and performance wise, but he's hit buckets when it's mattered. Gary Payton had a pretty good game five and they're just getting the performances from their role players when they need them. And like I said, at the start of the series, I think Boston has a better on paper team, but they're not really playing like it either. So I've still got some faith that they can take it to golden state in game six. It's in the TD garden. You never know. Maybe Boston will get creative and come up with another chant to try and throw the dubs off. But, and who knows what type of shooting performance we're going to get from Steph Curry. I did have a, uh, a sting for you, a little, uh, uh, how would I word it? Tune. Cause you did say to me, we need to make sure that we've got a tune every time I drop the useless sports by fry stat. Oh shit. Okay. So uh, let's uh, give this a go live on air. I don't know how this Budget is. Budget version. How's this? Are you playing it off your phone? Cause I tried to play it through. If I play it through here, I think it's <laughs> going to play through my headphones. Yeah, right. Okay. Look. Here we go. You ready? Wait for it. No, nah, this will be worth okay. it. Because it's from... Uh... As good of a podcast as Sports by Fry has ever had. This is great. Yeah, I thought so. Listen yeah. to this in, in your car on the way to work in the morning. In, you, I hope you enjoyed that last 30 seconds. Oh, you're going to enjoy this next bit. Uh, Steph Curry makes a lot of threes, right? He's a very good shooter. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Yeah, we'll make that work. He uh, had his streak of uh, games with at least one made three snapped. 233 games. Steph's made a three in consecutively. 133 playoff games straight two. Since 2013, which was the first year that Steph became an all-star, He's only had very few of these performances. So that's nearly 10 years of basketball. How many times do you reckon that Steph Curry has played a game and not made a three since 2013? Uh, eight. Oh, close. It was nine. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Good guess. Uh, coming off those games. He averages four and a half made threes. So all you sports bet fans out there, I think we're going to get a solid shooting performance from Steph. He's at least, I don't think he's going to die wondering. He'll chuck it up. And if he pops off and goes off, Golden State's probably going to win game six and run away with the chip. But I wouldn't be surprised, backs to the wall, if Boston, like I said, their experience and their late game uh, performances haven't really been great. But if they... They lose the championship if they don't perform well at home in game six. So, I mean, if that doesn't fire you up as a Boston fan, I don't know what will. Yeah, look, I would probably sort of lean into what you've been saying before that, though. Their lack of experience, yada, 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 probably says that they're not going to win it. They don't, they've never been in this position in a finals, all that stuff. I think the Warriors will cruise in this one, honestly. Yeah. I wouldn't be unhappy Fail. to see the dubs win Go off. to be honest like the way they're looking at the moment this might be their last like red hot crack at winning the chip draymond's not been playing great clay doesn't look like clay anymore steph is 34 so there's probably not too many more of these runs left in that core group so this may be uh the last little window do you reckon a finals mvp means anything really for steph curry's legacy 
Not really. Nah. Already um, he should have won up. the one. He should have won the Iggy one. Uh, he's pretty cemented. His his legacy is not about like championships or anything like that. It's just a, purely about his shooting and his effect on the culture and the the landscape of the NBA. You know, he's one of those guys who changed the game. Yeah. Um, like you know, Wilt or someone. So yeah, pretty much he did. His legacy is cemented game. for sure. Um, flipping the script and looking. A little bit more at Boston because Jason Tatum's not old. Neither's Jalen Brown. Like these dudes are in their mid twenties, so there could you could make the case that there could be another run in the Celtics group. But the East is pretty loaded, and we talked all season about how strong and how deep the East is going to bat. They probably should have lost to Milwaukee if Chris Middleton was healthy. Let's be honest that we might not even be having this conversation. We've got. Brooklyn, who knows what they're going to put up next season. Philly, even though you and I might not be fans of them, they've probably got enough to at least put themselves in a position to win. And then there's plenty of up-and-coming squads, like Toronto, Chicago, Cleveland. I uh, could throw maybe even a smoky like the Charlotte Hornets or someone into that mix. How much do you reckon Boston could capitalize on this little window they've got? Do you reckon that they could still be a championship threat for years to come? Boston has five years in them, at least, I reckon. Mm. As, as long as they keep Brown around, that's the big the big if. There's plenty of Al Horfords out, you know, in throughout NBA history. You can just pick those guys off for pretty up for pretty cheap. Like where was he before? OKC, wasn't it, or something? Yeah, he had such a weird like left Boston because they didn't want to pay him, went to Philly, then got traded to OKC because Philly were like, yeah. oh, he's turned to shit. And then Boston, yeah, plucked him back. But I know what you mean. Yeah, like you can get those type those of role players. Yeah, as long as they keep Tatum there in with a shot. He's young as as fuck. Um, and Brown's just as young. And I got no like I've said, I think Tatum's this generation's Kobe. Um sort of Ooh. hesitant to say that, but you well, you know what I mean. Like yeah, I'm sure I've said it before. Um, I think he's I've probably he's said got, it too. Yeah, I think so. Like, definitely not that Booker tosser. So it's got to be Tatum, or or we're Kobeless. So, um, yeah, fuck, fuck them Booker. Um, so yeah, I would say they got at least five years with this group. Um, well, that's how Brad Stevens and is Danny Ainge still there? I don't know. Should be looking nah, at it. He's rolled out to uh, the Utah Jazz, but Brad Stevens oh, is the man okay. calling the shots yeah. now. So you think? I agree. I mean, they've obviously got the core pieces and they've got the front office and they've got ownership that's willing to spend up to try and put themselves in a title winning position. Let's say that everyone's roster stays the same. They roll into next season. Where do you rank Boston in the East as a legit contender? Cause I think you and I would say that the bucks are probably the best team in the East, right? Yeah, for sure. So is Boston like probably third, second yeah, or third like Miami in the mix a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So you go, well, that's it. That's how I'd put it. That was um, it. Those three. And well probably Brooklyn. Probably Brooklyn as well. Fuck We're Philly. Not, I was going to say, not Philly believers on this podcast, but... Nah, Joel James Embiid, Harden uh, will just leave. You reckon he's going to leave? Yeah. He'll pull some shit. He's just a... Yeah. He's just a... He's a whiny little bitch. <laughs> when the chips, the chips are down, he's not in for it, you know? Poor Jimmy. Yeah, it's no, never going to amount to much. Uh, so I don't think anyone other than Curry 
can really win the finals MVP. If it goes to seven and Boston happens to pull it out, yeah. how do you sit with a player from a losing side winning finals MVP? And I guess overall, like if you look at any sport, how do you think, like can a dude who's played for the team that lost the Grandy, like a Norm Smith or something as well, do you reckon it can go to another bloke? Like that's acceptable? Yeah, I'm down for that. I reckon there should be quite a few throughout history that change. Mm. Like LeBron should have won that one over Iggy by like a mile. LeBron probably should have a few others. Um, D Wade should probably have one or another one. Um, yeah, I'm totally down for a losing team, especially if it's like ridiculous. Like I, I wouldn't say Steph has played good enough for it to be like, oh, okay, like give him the finals MVP yeah. even if they lose. But um yeah, I'm I'm down for it for sure. I'm glad Juddy won that one. That was good back in the day. Um yeah, so and I reckon there should be more in the NBA. I, I kinda hate that that winning, especially if it's a win by like um what are they called? Committee. You know, yeah, like yeah. If, if the whole team has played really well, you're like, oh well there's no one clear guy. Like give it to the bloke who's scored thirty five gone 35 10 10 and two and two on 60 percent shooting go for it i'm fine with that the lebron in 2015 where like Kyrie got hurt game one of the finals yeah. kevin love got hurt i'm pretty sure it was the first series like those type of performances i agree with you i reckon you can't just throw a blanket over and be like righto let's pick the best player from the winning team shout out to the yeah, nah. san antonio spurs and the detroit pistons of the past but I think, you know, there's going to be times like that LeBron performance where we see someone do something like fucking crazy, or like really epic. And just because they lost doesn't necessarily mean that they shouldn't be awarded. So, well, that do you reckon then anyone else could win the finals MVP at the moment? I mean, it's, we could see Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown have two 40-point games and that would obviously dramatically swing things. But the way it's looking right now, do you reckon anyone else is a serious threat? Um, well, I think if, if the Celtics won, I reckon it, it, Curry would have to have a few more 40 point or close to 40 point games to win it. Like he would have to, I think you'd have to like undeniably unanimously be the number one player like LeBron in 2015, like should have got it. Um, yeah. at that sort of where, so I don't think he's quite there. So yeah, I could see. Tatum winning it. Um, yeah, okay. But that's that's it for sure. I think I'd almost, almost, I'd almost lean towards Jalen Brown more than Tatum. Like their points per game in the finals is pretty similar, but just seems like, yeah, Tatum's been a bit more erratic and trying to do a bit too much. And Brown's been a bit smarter. Hasn't shot as well. He's shooting just as shit as Tatum, but yeah, his performance has been pretty good as well. But I agree with you. I think a lot of this uh, is probably hearsay because Steph Curry has one good game. And championship belongs to Golden State. Yeah. Uh, shout out Andrew Wiggins for his performances. But that's enough finals talk. I want to briefly touch on the Charlotte Hornets. So I teased and talked a little bit about on the latest pod. But they hired Kenny Atkinson. And they're in an interesting position going forwards. They got LaMelo Ball as kind of like their franchise cornerstone, I guess you could say. 
And they've got a couple of other up and coming young dudes. They've got uh, Miles Bridges, who needs to be potentially re-signed this offseason. But do you reckon that they should be swinging the fences and trying to get another big dog into that team? Because no one's really going to sign with Charlotte, right? You've got Bridges, who's potentially a $25 million a year player. They got the 13th and 15th pick in this year's draft. So, you know, adding some other young talent to an up-and-coming roster, they might build a good culture and do a little bit of kind of what Cleveland's done this year, I guess. But I don't know if they've got as many good pieces. So if you're running the Hornets, do you reckon they should be aiming for a big dog and trying to make a splash this offseason? Um, ooh, that's a good question. I would probably be inclined to move a few of the the random more random pieces like um the rogiers and the haywards mm. and i'm I, I honestly am struggling to even think of their roster anyone else around that that's mark? why you pay me because they uh technically still have mason Plumley, but he's about to come off the books uh pj washington yeah. is another piece that you could maybe say would attract some attention but i yeah, you'd want to probably keep him around. You wouldn't be axing him from your list, but are they going to? Are they in the? Are they in the top ten this year draft? Uh no, thirteenth is their pick. That's the one that they own because they scraped into the play-in. They were forty-three and thirty-nine. Yeah, okay. Um, Kelly Oubre's there as well. Uh, yeah, like I said, so Plumley comes off the books. They've they've they need a lot still. Um, their window won't be open for three years. So I wouldn't be looking to sign anyone big. Uh, that's kind of happened with Gordon Haywood in the past. And mm. I guess Rogier went there last year. Did they trade him or did he go there? No, I'm pretty sure ago? he signed with them. Two years ago, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah. Boston. Maybe he, he did a sign and trade swap with Kemba from memory. That sounds right. Uh, uh, yeah, that's okay. Well, uh, yeah, I'd be looking to just draft really cleverly pick high upside guys um i don't know who how their gm i don't even know who their gm is but i i don't know how their sort of scouting is but you know you just have to find those diamonds like if you look at the look if you even look at the warriors none of them are that high draft picks curry was seven yeah. or eight seven yeah, seven Clay was like 11th draymond was 30th you don't need to find these guys. You just need, like, there's there's good players deep in every draft. Like, mm-hmm. look at Jokic. Like that, Giannis was pick what ten or 15. something, fifteen, even lower. Kawhi was around that mark. You just got to pick the right guys. I think they should just probably aim to load up a little bit. Make sure they keep good culture guys around. Um, that's why I would keep Plumley around, and I'd probably. If they can, I would keep um, Gordon Hayward around. Don't know what what's his contract like. So Hayward and Rogier are still stuck on their books at least for a couple of years. Gordon's got two left at about thirty million a year each, and then at about that same time, Lamelo's going to come off his rookie deal and demand a bit of a payday. So that'll almost be a straight swap salary wise. But yeah, yeah, I agree. I think Gordon, like if you could try and flip someone he's probably the dude that you'd want to part ways with but i'd be more inclined to keep him and um part with terry rogier or Ubre um and try and just get to get another top 15 or another lottery pick to be honest um 
and then just be smart for the next three years. You can just sign the Mason Plumley, just sign there. You know, like yeah, you can pick up those solid players to fit around stars. I think they do need a little bit more of a. Um, I wouldn't say Miles Bridges is like a dynamic scorer. He's like a good scorer, but I wouldn't say he's sort of like a three level scorer yet. Agreed. Um, Lamelo sort of is, but he's got a he's got a weird game, like all the Ball brothers do. So I would be looking for someone who's like a genuine scorer, um, probably from the guard position. Oh, actually, it doesn't matter where it comes from. Um, but yeah, they're they're in a funny position, like the Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats have been are. for the last yeah fifteen years. But um, yeah, I don't think they need to do anything too crazy. Just draft well. I mean, that's I know that's a pretty simplistic thing to say, but when I was talking about them and looking at them earlier in the week. I did bandy a couple of names around like a DeAndre Ayton or a Rudy Gobert, just to kind of pair a big pillar in the paint with someone like LaMelo and those other guards that they've already got and the winks that they've already got. But yeah, I think you think you're talking me into it. You're right. They're probably not going to contend for anything. If they get a dude like that, even let's say if they get uh, a Bradley Beal, right. They flip Rogier and Bridges and these two mm. picks they've got for Brad Beal. It's not going to dramatically change things overnight. They're probably still a sub 50 win team, especially after we talked about how deep the East is batting. So yep. You know what? You talked me into it. I agree. Yep. Glad, glad I could help drive, uh, drive a hard bargain and you make some uh, solid cases. All right. There's plenty of uh, time to unpack basketball in the off season. In fact, the draft's only about eight days away. So next time we hit the airwaves, uh, we'll be, I reckon, focusing a bit more on the draft because that'll be within a couple of days and the finals yep. will be in the books. But let's transition and talk a bit of AFL footy ball because let's go. I'm a little bit worried about the Melbourne Demons, hey? Are you? I'm not. I'm not worried bit. about them. So everyone's just, everyone's so you, quick the floor's to... Yours, floor's yours. Everyone's just so quick to flip. Like, you, you can't be three weeks ago being like oh they're just unbeatable they're gonna they're dominant they're clearly the number one team and not expect that like they're always gonna lose a game mm. and then they lost so they lost who was their first loss to you boys yeah you guys are a great team then they lost to is <laughs> it the swannies yeah in a pretty good game yeah good game like they're missing may who's their most important player don't care what anyone says um and aren't they missing a forward as well? Oh, yeah. yeah. McDonald's out. But I think he might be the most important player. Tommy McDonald. Honestly, like, who's been kicking oh. goals from lately? Oh, fuck, I don't know. Cozzy Pickett, uh, Bailey Fritch, reckon Ben Brown's kicked a few. Like, uh, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say Tom McDonald. Jesus. I don't think Tom McDonald's been called the most important anything in his whole life. Not even the most important do- McDonald. Um Ronald is. So I reckon they're missing their most like important, impactful player in Stephen May. They've got a bit of weird off-field stuff going on. That always happens when you're at the top. Like everyone just needs to relax. Maxie's been a bit beaten up. Like he's still, but he still has great games here and there. He's going to miss the next four, but I, I'm not worried about the Demons because we've got a great system. They've got a great coach. They've got a great midfield, even without Maxi. Actually, I don't know who their backup Ruckman is, though. Who is that? Luke Jackson. Ah, 
bloody laughing. The kid everyone sings the next big thing. Like, yeah, yeah, it's so funny how fast people can flip and flop. And then that, hey, they you know, need that stuff was a to talk tough about. game too on the weekend. It was a tough yeah. game. Yeah, I don't know. I'm Look, I'm all I, I'm fine with Melbourne. I agree with you. I think a lot of the talk is overhyped, and we need to pump the brakes because it's round fourteen. But I am a little bit concerned purely because they obviously have, like you've talked about, they need Stephen May. They need Tom McDonald. Contrary to what you think, I reckon he's important. Might not be their most important player, but he's an important part of their forward line. You look at the uh, numbers and how they score with and without him. He is important. But I think the careful thing that they've got to watch is obviously they are the number one team. Everyone going into the season and probably a month ago was saying how unbeatable they are. I think they need to try and, and they will, I reckon, recapture that vibe and that mojo. And they can't afford to lose too much momentum the next couple of weeks. I think a lot of this off-field shit has probably added fuel to the fire. And its I don't think it's a coincidence that it's coincided with a couple of losses in a row. But I am in the similar camp. I don't think it's a big concern, but I think it's something. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them lose the minor premiership but I still think they're the premiership favorites. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. yep. I'm fine Big with that. game uh, coming out of the bye. They take on Brisbane. That'll be interesting to see. Obviously, like you said, Big Maxi's going to be out now for a, at least four weeks, they reckon, with a dreaded Cinder's Mouse. Uh, McDonald is really the only other probably player from their best 22 who's not in the lineup at the moment. No offense to Jake Melksham. But- Stephen May. Oh, and Stephen May, of course. Sorry. But yeah, he'll be back. He's suffered his uh, suspension and his concussion protocol and shit like that. But the Brisbane Lions, who they're about to play, are obviously probably another genuine premiership contender. If we're looking at those two squads, who do you feel you have more faith in arriving in the last day of September? Is it still the D's or are you buying Brisbane stock? Uh, Pretty hard to split, honestly. Mm, Um, I agree. I think it might be those two and I, I sort of said at the start of the season I think it's Brizzy's year um, if I had to pick one I know that I've said Brizzy but I still think I'd back the D's in mm-hmm. honestly they're just a, a smoother machine um, but they're both great teams footy's one of those games that almost any team can win on any given day so Sorry. I think it might be those two in the granny, um, but I would probably, if I had to put my life, if, if my life was on the line, I'd go the D's fully healthy for sure. I think I agree. I think Brisbane are a genuine contender. Like you said, you called it at the start of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if they make the grand final or at least make a serious push. They've been the Cinderella for a couple of years. They kind of have gone through the similar path that, Geelong did before they broke through against Richmond and made the grand final. So I still think that the D's are the ones to beat. I know that uh, we won't talk a lot about the Dockers, but I know that some people view them as premiership contenders. I would definitely have the D's and the Lions above them. And then I'd probably lean into a bit of a group after that. I don't know. There might be a bit of a tier gap between Brisbane and Melbourne in my eyes. And then you've got, the Dockers, my Swans, I still think are uh, potential uh, premiership contenders. Uh, the Tigers, who you were in on a couple of weeks ago, they're starting to find their mojo and move up as well. Where do you sit 
on the Collingwood Magpies because they've won four on the trot. They beat Carlton, Melbourne, and Fremantle in three of those wins. Do you think that they're just making up the numbers in the bottom half of the eight, or should we be taking them a bit more seriously as a team that could make some noise in September? Uh, I do like them. I reckon they're probably, uh, mm, I was going to say a key defender away. Mm. I reckon that's probably what's missing. Um, and the, whenever you got Will Hoskin Elliott running around out there, <laughs> I find it very questionable. But, you know, some for some reason, somehow he gets a game every week. So maybe there's something I don't see at training and in the locker room and on the field, but... So um, there's one of those blokes at every club, right? You like see the yeah. 22 run out and you're like, how is Trav Collins? Oh, bad example because he's actually playing okay. But you're like, how is this bloke in the 22 right now? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, I like them. I like their forward lines, pretty dynamic. Um, don't know if their midfield quite is, is up to scratch. It's not at the same standards as some, some of the other clubs. Um, but Craig McCray? Craig McCray? Yep. Craig McCray. Craig McCray is got them playing really well and he's sort of they seem like they're adopting that system footy whereas you look at the dogs who are clearly not and i think at the afl level it's a sort of sport that you have to be system oriented and you all have to have a role um that's one thing i think circling back real quick is brisbane lack a good wing good wing players whereas obviously ed langdon and you got the hunts of the world. You just got Salem back to Melbourne as well. I think they look yeah, great. Yeah, that's a big um, Yep. So, yeah, I think that's probably where Melbourne gets brizzy. But, yeah, I, I take Collingwood pretty seriously, to be honest. I think they're, they're good. It's a bit of a bit of a, a, a glut of teams around that mm. 10 to, what, 7 mark. But yeah. um, I reckon they're... Pretty serious. I, I quite like him, especially if Mason Cox is playing well and sort of finding his mojo like he did on the weekend. Yeah, we saw what he can do when he's at full flight. The That glut of teams that you talk, team five through eight are all stuck on uh, the same amount of points at the moment. Granted, because it's a buy round, some have played less, some have played fewer. Yeah. So it's the ladder's a bit hard to read at the moment. But, you know, the, if you reel off these teams, Geelong, St Kilda, Sydney, Collingwood, Richmond, Western Bulldogs, two of them are going to miss the finals at the moment mm. because I think the top four in Carlton, Fremantle, Melbourne and Brisbane are probably safe. Carlton, I've still got a couple of doubts on, but the Pies have been flying and I think Craig McRae deserves a lot of credit for how he's kind of flipped that script real quick because it was only a season ago that they were drafting Nick Dacos down near the bottom of the ladder. And they were, you know, their club seemed like it was in turmoil off the field. The coach resigned. There were rumours of Pendles chasing deals in the off-season for other clubs, which were just rumours. He nipped in the bud pretty quickly. But I think Craig McRae seems like he's a pretty smooth operator. And there's a lot of interviews I've watched and things I've read from Collingwood players and other people at clubs he was at previously that rate him pretty highly. So... I do wonder, they're eight and five at the moment. Like I said, they've got some pretty big scalps in the last couple of weeks. I think that they're probably destined to that, that look like they're going to play finals at this rate, but I don't know if they're ready yet to try and make a serious charge. That on-ball rotation you're talking about, Pendlebury's not really in there anymore. And the likes of a banged-up Taylor Adams, Jack Crisp, he's Crisp. a pretty good operator in there, but... You know, outside of those two and maybe a young Nick Dacos pinch hitting in there, 
Lipinski. I'm trying to think of who their other midfielders are at the moment. Dugowie, if you throw him in there, like it's yeah, a he was fine playing group. In there a lot. Who was that? Dugowie, Dugowie was in there quite a bit. You throw those names out there, and you're like, oh yeah, that's pretty good squad, but it doesn't sound like a premiership caliber midfield. They got some good pillars at each end as well, and seems like they've got serviceable blokes around the field as well. But I think a lot of their success has really been Craig McKay, Cray trying the how do I word like wringing the cloth and getting the most out of this playing group that he possibly can at the moment. I'd probably say the same. You like with the you look at the list and you kind of go, oh, okay, like there's some stars on Melbourne, but there's not. Like I don't rate Hunt or I still don't really rate Bailey Fritch to be honest. But they play system footy, and I yeah, think fair. that's what Collingwood's doing. Um, so I don't know. I think they might have the legs to do it. Plus, you got Brody Grundy coming back late in the season. Yeah, um, that's sure another one. A few Didn't other even think outs. About that. So, yeah, I reckon they might do it. Um, don't know if I hate to say it as an AFL supporter that's not a Collingwood supporter, but um, maybe full credit to them this year. Maybe I'll give them one year where I'm okay with them doing all right. Is it this year, just this season? <laughs> yeah, at the moment, yeah. Uh, their injury while I've list... Got, while I've got Nick Dacos on my team, it's this <laughs> yeah. year. Their injury list, Cameron. for what it's worth, uh, Brody Grundy is obviously the big one on there, and then there's a lot of, like, Reef McInnes, Jack Madgen, Charlie De- like names that probably aren't mm. best 22 caliber. So, okay. but you can say that about a lot of teams at the moment, like Brisbane, who we alluded to earlier. Zorko's Hammy is the only thing that's really on their radar. Um, Melbourne, we went through theirs. Obviously, Gorney's just gone down, but there aren't too many of the contenders who seem to have serious injury issues at the moment, which makes the next couple of months pretty important. Sam Switkowski, he just went down for Frio with like a back fracture or something, but acres. Yeah. Acres too. The teams at the top seem to be relatively healthy though. Funny that it's no, uh, no coincidence. The healthy teams are the ones near the top of the ladder. Uh, Collingwood's next game. Cause obviously they're going into the buy. Uh, they clashed with the GWS giants. I was about to say warriors, but that's not correct. Uh, four and eight at the moment, they've got two wins from their last three games. Do the giants. I do wonder if we're going to see them bounce back into premiership contention under Spike McVeigh, or if they're just kind of going to teeter and fall a bit off a cliff. Cause they've got some stars like we've talked about engine room. There's arguably is one of the best on paper in the comp. Toronto has been pretty banged up and hasn't played for what feels like four to six weeks. So probably hasn't been that long, but how do you feel Don't about like that long for fantasy coaching? Mate. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, but how does it? How do you feel about the Giants and where they're sitting at the moment? Yeah, I, they just have no one to kick goals. That's what it is. I think. Um, I think losing Phil Davis hurt as well. That you sort of forget that was this season. I think it was this season. Yeah, uh, earlier this year, a long time ago. Yeah, so that hurts a lot. But um, yeah, I think I think they're good. I think their system was shit. I think Leon Cameron wasn't the right coach for them. In, uh, over the last few years and probably hung on way too long. Um, but yeah, they just got no one to kick goals, unfortunately. Uh, I know Himmelberg had a weird game. I didn't watch that game. I was driving or playing footy. Oh, I was playing footy. I was getting a, too busy getting a win. Um, yeah, okay, I get it, guy. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think they're just, they're missing something at, at the in the front end. Don't know where that comes from. Can't see them attracting a big um, key forward, but if they can... 
maybe take a punt on on someone who's on the scrap heap that can sort of give him something. Like mm-hmm. relying on Toby Green to do it um, is not going to get it done. Himmelberg is definitely not the answer. Like I'm looking at his, I looked at his stat line and almost thought he must have gone back or something. Um, don't know if you can shine any light on that, but I can. Yeah, I think they need. They need to play system footy, and they've ne- they haven't been a system footy club for a while. So, yeah, they uh, as you're talking about Toby Green, obviously had his big lengthy suspension to start the year. He's kicked 17 goals from his seven games he's played. Good player, but, yeah, yeah, great player. Himmelberg's the only bloke ahead of him, but you're right, he was playing. He was almost playing the Tom Stewart role on the weekend. He was just roaming across yeah. half back. That's where he took most, if not all, of his 16 marks. If it wasn't there, then he was kind of on the wing-ish getting his possession. So he wasn't deep forward. But the guy who was deep forward and I think, you know, is carved in the mold that you're talking about of like a scrap heap type dude or someone that they can invest time and effort and energy into is Jake Riccardi, who did kick a massive bag on the weekend. Uh but they were playing North. I think there was about five blokes or felt like five blokes who had three goals each. Uh, But yeah, Riccardi, I think is that bloke who could pop off and become like, you know, not a, well, he might be, but not a Coleman medal level forward, but a key forward on a successful premiership bound team. Cause like we said, they got pretty talented dudes up and down the roster. Josh Kelly might be the best player in the comp, not named Christian Petrarca. Uh, Tanner Bruin probably had his best game of his career on the weekend. Kicked a couple snags too and looked really good coming out of the middle. I think Stephen Cornelio is starting to hit his straps and now they're playing him as a pretty much full-time midfielder again. It's no coincidence that he's finding form. So I was very, very out on the Giants earlier. I was selling all my GWS stock, but I don't know if it's just the new coach or you know the the month that they've kind of had to just fix things, change a few positional things. Lockie Whitfield was back to his best on the weekend as well. I don't know if I'm buying into those recent results too much. And because I wasn't playing footy, I was watching that entire GWS North game and they were playing North. So, you know, take all of this with a bit of a grain of salt, but they were clicking. They looked like they were all playing in their right roles. Um, They were, you know, getting the ball forward almost at will and then didn't really matter who, was the forward who was kind of reaping the rewards, but yeah, I'm, I'm back in, uh, in slightly on the GWS giants. They're four and eight at the moment projecting forward. What's that? They've got 10 games left. Do you reckon they can go 500 for the rest of the season? Yeah. I'd, I reckon I'd so for the rest of the season. Oh yeah. No worries. I, yeah. I was never fully out on my, I obviously the start they had, they were never going to, Shit, have they played North a couple of times recently? Oh, no, Maybe. sorry. It, I'm just, no, nah, my thing just reset um, to round 13. Um, oh, gotcha. Yeah, no, I think they'll they'll probably be able to do that. I, I'd back them in to pull off 500, if not a little bit better, honestly, and sort of be probably unfortunately for them around the 10, 11 mark um, come the end of the year, which is not great in if you look at picks. Because if they could just add a, a top five pick, to that side, I think that's that's probably the the best outcome for them, given they're yep. not going to make the finals. But um, yeah, I think I I still like their squad enough um, for them to figure it out. They just need to stop 
playing as a bunch of individuals, which it feels like they've done for the, since the grunning, since they lost that 2019 grand final, yep. whatever it was. Yep. It's a pretty good call. They do have, for what it's worth, a tough run home. Like I said, Collingwood will play them in Collingwood's next game, but obviously GWS will take to the field this weekend. They got the dogs. So they got the dogs. Then you roll after that straight into the pies. Hawthorne, Port Adelaide, Brisbane, Carlton, Sydney, the dogs again, Essendon and Frio. So still some beatable teams in there. Wouldn't honestly shock me if they pipped the dogs on the weekend, but yeah. Yeah. Again, their performance on the weekend was impressive, but it came against North Melbourne who did have Jason Horn Francis running around out there. He's now going to spend two weeks uh, on the sidelines or three weeks technically, because they got the buy as well after his uh, ban for whack and Josh Kelly. Have you heard much of this Jason Horn Francis buzz over the last week or so? Cause it seems like every yeah, man, the, dog and woman in the media has an opinion on him. Yeah. It's the only thing in my Facebook feed, which yeah. is um, don't know if that says much at all. Cause I've, you know, who uses Facebook anymore. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty across it and it just seems like he's a bit of a bitch to be honest, but I'll say, I know he's just a young kid, so I, I probably shouldn't say that, but he's just, he needs to check himself, honestly. Um, obviously, we know that North Melbourne is a dumpster fire, but, you know, Lloydie was comparing him to Sam Walsh um, this week, uh, a few days ago, on Classified with Caro and Eddie. Um, and I think he was bang on saying, like, Sam Walsh came into a, a shocking Carlton side and instantly earned the respect of everyone and was having an input and sort of obviously would have felt like he was part of that club and sort of part of the future of the club. Whereas Jack O'Horn Francis is, he's gone about it just totally the wrong way. And he's going to have heard his, he's would have in the same way that, you know, like the Tom Boyd's of the world and the, the John patterns, I know they're different position, but they just sort of, and Hogan was another one, like Mm. didn't, didn't put it on the field before they, started running their mouth and whereas you look at the Walshers and Matty Rao didn't hasn't had the start to his career that he wants but you know he's gained everyone's respect at the club and um puts the work in before he sort of you know you see him there with his bloody clipboard like smiling taking notes and shit like when he's not even playing so I think Jacko Horn Francis should genuinely get on the phone with Rowley or especially since he's got a few weeks on the sidelines now and and t- talk about it and go and talk to Brent Harvey and, you know, the guys who've sort of hung around, like, I can't believe like Ben Cunnington isn't setting this guy straight. Like there's probably a few blokes in the AFL who could help him more, but he's just, yeah. he's done it the wrong way. North are fucked. Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, it's really making me hate the kid. So. I think that uh, John, John Noble, is that their coach? Is that his name? David. Yeah. David, don't know where I got John Noble from, but I think Dave Noble's going to lose his job at the end of the year. And it seems like, oh, yeah. like Before you said, that, I reckon. Yeah, possibly. Their culture is just a bit fucking all over the shop. Like the, the thing that I took away, it wasn't even him hitting Josh Kelly. He uh, was no. like almost given a spray to Todd Goldstein at halftime. But then I kind of went back and rewatched it. And it literally just looks like he's sucking, like he's complaining. And Todd Goldstein's mm. like, shrugs his shoulders and kind of like, he's like, mate, like we're all fucking out here struggling. Like, I don't know what you're whinging about. 
And there was a thing a couple of weeks ago, or a bit longer now, a couple of months ago, where he kind of like went, not missing, but he like went back home to see his mum and like didn't tell the club he was going or something. So it's, it does seem like he's a bit big for his boots. Granted, he's what, 18, 19. He's in yeah. a really shit moment at the moment you know you get drafted number one you're like right oh, i'm coming in i'm going to change the fortunes of this footy club i'm going to like be a star this isn't exactly how he probably thought it was going to start off but it doesn't seem like he's handing it the right way you almost took the words out of my mouth i was going to say i'm surprised that some of the leaders haven't pulled him in line but other than ben cunnington i was like wow well, who is there really at the club to you know lean on but the answer is boomer harvey because i'm pretty sure he's still involved he's still the runner he's the runner so you know, there are dudes and North Melbourne have had stars of the past, Glenn Archers, a couple of them have gone on to be successful in other footy roles as well, like Simo, Jade Rawlings. So there are former North players who he could reach Brady, out to. Brady Rawlings. Jade's a Hawthorne bloke. Oh, I was too. I, at least I got the right family. But yeah, yeah. it seems like, seems like he's, uh, yeah, he hasn't gone about it the right way, which is a bit of a shame because, again, mm. every everyone including you and I now has an opinion on what he should do and how he's fucked up and what he's not doing right, but he hasn't helped himself in any of those situations either. So uh, yeah, hopefully he can find his mojo because when he's firing, he looks like he's going to be a bloody good footballer. Yeah. Rip North Melbourne. Uh, when did you get rid of him from your fantasy side? Can you remember? Quite a long time ago, maybe like round eight ish around yeah. round pretty much the week he flattened out. Yeah, I think I did the same thing. And there were some coaches that had him this week, hoping that he could give him one last good score before he hit his buyer, and he dished up a 29. So not ideal. Uh, I would have taken his 29 in the weekend because the large fries and Coke didn't have a fantastic weekend. Uh, fantasy footy was not my favorite thing earlier in the week. I had a look at my trades, and then this Max Gorn news came out. Uh, so I just went back with a rollback team button and then put my best 18 on the field so I could just look at my team, not taking yeah. buys into account. I was like, oh, it's nice to see a full defense forward, like, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I think I managed 1640-odd, slipped about 600 spots. I'm now 2,200th or something in the ballpark. Uh, how's the Kusplorkin boys looking? Pretty sure you still outscored me. So that's great. Um, Fucker. Yeah, look, we're, we're going all right. Um, I moved up uh, oh. this week. Oh, actually, maybe I hovered. I'm still sitting 12,000th. Um, oh, I'm in your run. You know. Yeah, there's nothing special going on over here. So any any fantasy advice or opinions I have take with a, a huge grain of salt, uh, especially if you're above 2,000. Actually, I'm 3,000, uh, 13,000, 20, 20, sorry. Let me start that again. 12,925th. So if you're 12,924th or above, um, maybe don't listen to me because what the fuck do I know? But going okay. Um, I think I actually only had 17 play last week. Um, that stings, eh? Yeah. So looking forward to the doggies coming back in. Um, yeah, fuck it. I, you know, Tim English back in, Dunkley, Trelaw. Um, obviously had a stinker traded in, um, well, traded Josh Kelly and he wasn't amazing. Thanks a lot. Jacko Horn Francis, um, <laughs> traded in Darcy Parrish. I think that was my Bailey Smith switch, um, which That's obviously didn't hurts. go well. Yeah. Lucky. It's just a 
corked calf and he's a young fella. So hoping he gets back up and continues to do what he's been doing all year. But Zorko, I think, would have got a ton of coaches. Um, yeah. Other than that, actually, was okay, I must admit. But it was just those few guys going down and getting injured and not doing that well that really hurt me, especially Darcy Parrish. That was fucked. So, Have you still you know, got Zach uh, Butters? Nah, I traded him, I think, uh, two weeks ago yeah, uh, for someone. Can't remember. Probably a midfielder. Oh, yeah. for Tom Mitchell, another bloke, uh, you know. Well, I Cheers, had both Tom. of those blokes on the weekend, like a lot of coaches did. And then you throw in the most traded in player in Mitch Owens, who got concussed on 11. It was just a dark weekend for all yeah. fantasy coaches. I mean, I tell you what, I'm glad that this is the last buy rounds. And I swear I say this every year. And everyone puts all this fucking time and effort into preparing for their trades and making sure they got this dude lined up to turn into that bloke and they're going to swap him around and all that. And then all of a sudden, Zorko hurts his hammy, Max Gorn's out, Zach Butters headbutts Tom Jonas and looks like his cheekbone self-combusted and shits hit the fans. So, yeah. How fun is fantasy for you? You know what? This happens once. I reckon everyone has one round. Once a year, usually it's not everyone getting it at the same time. Like, but you know, last year I had one round where I just was like, oh, there goes the season. Yeah. Like, I can't. You're right. It does was. happen to everyone. Yeah. Except the blokes who win it um, and they win it because of that. It's, it really is like a, a dice roll of a game. You can, it is. You got to get lucky to win the whole thing. I'll tell you that much. But yeah, well, you know what? The buy's nearly done. So yeah. If you're not going to be lucky enough to win, you may as well have fun while you do it, right? Bloody oath. Bloody so oath. I'm I'm going to have some fun this week because uh, I managed to bank a little bit of cash with some of my moves last week. Also chased Josh Kelly, but uh, traded Braden Proust to him. If he comes back in, then I'll probably try and get Braden Proust again. But okay. if not, yep. I'm doing a Max Gone straight to Tim English and I'm doing Tommy Mitchell straight to Tuke Miller. And I'm just going to enjoy having Tim English and Tuke Miller in my team. Third trade will probably just be a rookie something to get some cash. I'll yep. obviously still have Dane Zorko, but I'm not going to have his score this week anyway. So I've got enough playing players to cover for his loss. And then hopefully Tommy Stewart doesn't have 190 points against you boys. Just mm. dipped a little bit in value and I can jump on he him might. next he week. Might. Uh, he might. Yeah. If he uh, does look like he's going to go gangbusters and Prucey gets named, I might ignore Tim English and I might go Gorn to Pruce. And then use the money I saved to go Zorko up to Tommy Stewart. That'd be nice. But yeah, I think coming out of the buys, I'm still going to have two rookies on my field. One of them is going to be Nick Martin. So, you know, not awful. And then the other will be my last midfield spot at this rate, which will rotate through probably Jake Saligo, maybe Greg Clark. Clark. Uh, So, you know, it's not awful. How many rooks are you going to have, you reckon, on the field once we uh, wrap up the buys? Oh, once we wrap, I'll have none in the guts. Probably two up back. Uh, just looking at it. Yeah, two up back. But that's including Dacos. Thank God I held, mm. held that bloke. Um, yeah, see, he's who I traded into Tom Mitchell a couple of weeks yeah. ago. So that's just really fucking hurt. <laughs> and forward line will be one. So I'll have three. Um, but hopefully after these trades, I'll probably end up with two. Um, and just see how we go. Hopefully Juddy Clark has another good game and sort of 
Muscles his way to 400. Clark, he's probably got... Like, I'm sort of getting to the point where Saligo and Clark will be cashed in and then there's their money can go to the back or forward line. So I'm pretty yeah. close to f- completing the, the task and then it's all sort of fun moving around and Swinging making around. money on your bench spots. Yeah. Need a, need a Ruckman to get named pretty bad. Well, it seems like Sam Hayes has we've done something wrong at Port Adelaide because they used Finlayson and Charlie Dixon as their Ruckman on the weekend against Richmond and lost the hit out battle 42 to 18. And they're mm. like, yep, we're going to run it back. We're still not playing hazy. So yeah, uh, we may see good old Bryn Teekle within the next couple of weeks. He's the bloke who they picked up in the mid-season draft and apparently just seems like an infectious character. Everyone loves him around the club already. So love to hear it. Fingers crossed he comes in. Ruck forward as well. So might be a handy utilit stash. Uh, other than that, though, it doesn't seem like we're going to get too many other Ruckman. But that R3 spot, I think you can almost punt rolling forwards. So like you don't want to be punting too many of those bench spots, but you get 10 of them. No eight of them across the field. So, you know, if you've got one bloke there halfway through the season who doesn't play for the rest of the year, it's probably not going to be the end of your season. Mm. Yes. I still do think of those spots as money producing spots. Um, you have to, right? Preferably. So, well, yeah, hope, hopefully. I mean, like I said last week though, you know, like I brought Jai Cully in to, you know, two weeks ago, knowing he wasn't going to play probably for a few weeks, even still, but yeah. Hopefully he gets a gig, but if not, you can just lateral to someone who does get named. Um, it's doable, just, right? Is, it's just fickle in the buy rounds. So, yeah, especially with those teams who are sort of getting to that point where like, ah, oh, well, season's over. You know, like Essendon's like, play some young kids, dudes. Yeah. Like, whatever. So those sort of teams. So hopefully some some cash cows, as they would call in the trade. Of- <laughs> Speaking of uh, the Dons, Massimo D'Ambrosio is uh, looming as a potential debutante, 190K defender. Sam Durden, he's been named to play this week because apparently he's the last man standing for Carlton. So there are rookies yeah. still coming through. So, you Good. know, I was uh, toying with the idea of chopping out Will Brody, but, you know, he went all right on the weekend, even though Fifey came back. So I think I'm just going to keep plugging away with him. Like I said, I've got bigger fish to fry and other blokes to get rid of. Might even keep him yeah. and invite him to the mad monday celebrations to be honest because he's been great bloody oath mate yeah yeah, yeah I'm, I'm down for him lots of tackles love it uh speaking of mad monday a somewhat go. bailey smith inspired mount rushmore coming at you because uh we know that he's been in the news for uh partying a little bit too hard previously apparently it was late last year but this week's mount rushmore consists of players that we would love to take on Mad Monday. So we're going to draft our four players each. Last week's count, after 96 votes were collated, I claimed the victory by four votes. So I think that's the tightest one we've ever had. Uh, And it gives me a winning record. I'm now three and two. So That's ridiculous. Like, that's... Uh, who was on your side again? You had Maravich, you had Jay Crossover, you, yep. you took AI. Who was yep. the fourth? Chris Paul. Uh, yeah, Chris Paul. Fuck. Anyway, whatever. That sucks a lot be, of people. Could yeah. be the first uh, first Mount Rushmore ever to come back from an 0-2 deficit to win the series 4-2. But 
Uh, unfortunately, yeah. this series doesn't end in a best of seven, so we'll keep it, keep it going. But once again, my friend, you have the first overall selection. So there are a lot of different routes you can go down. There's obviously some big names who I think will go early, but it'll come down, I think, to you know a couple of the last selections, a bit of personal preference. So I'm excited to see where this list goes. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a sort of like a, a split tactic um, in this one. Um, and so the first one is just, I'm almost going like, who, who could sink a shitload of piss, but also <laughs> would be great to get on the beers with plenty of stories, yeah. real character. So uh, I don't know if this is how you would have expected it to go, but I'm going to take John O'Brown. Oh, number one. That's, yeah, that's absolute a good weapon. I don't know, hate that. Good bloke. He's got that husky voice. He's imposing. So if we get into a bit of mischief, he can come to our aid. Um, yeah, I'm taking John O'Brown. I'm going to try and avoid too many pests on my side. Yep. And yep. I think John O'Brown is a is a, a good figurehead to lead this this Mad Monday into a pretty good, pretty groggy <laughs> crap Tuesday. <laughs> Twisted That's Tuesday. A- that's a uh, twisted Tuesday. That's a pretty good first overall pick. I'll be honest. I thought he might have slipped a couple, but it was definitely high up on my pecking order. Uh, I don't think I can avoid taking this bloke. I'm, he would have been my number one pick. I would have uh, taken John O'Brown a couple later. He he might seem like a bit of a pest to some, but I think he's more universally loved as an off-field character. Uh, okay. Seems like he can hold his liquor, but he also seems like he would just be like, maybe not the life of the party is not the right expression because he wouldn't probably be dancing on a table, but he just seems like you would be smiling and laughing the entire time if you took Dane Swan on Mad Monday with you. Seems yeah. like he would just be zinging blokes who don't want to be zinged on and ordering Jaeger bombs over here and kicking on till the sun comes up. You can't really go wrong by having Dane Swan on Mad Monday with you. So he's yeah. my first overall selection. Well done. He was my number one seed, um, but mm. I decided, you know what, just probably a bit too much of a pest, um, but mate, sounds like he can have a, a ripping time. So good the choice. John O'Brown pick good I do love, love though. I will give you that. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I, I think you do need one pest in, you, in your group though. <laughs> um, so another bloke sort of renowned for his off-field antics, sort of the sort of bloke who just goes missing for a few weeks at a time, pops up in Thailand somewhere, probably done some crazy shit, covered in tats, um, and he is a genuine pest on and off the field. I'm going with uh, Libba. He's going to be my oh, number yeah. two. Oh, yeah, okay, good one. To pick, you know, we'd probably end up, all end up with some cool tattoos the next morning that we don't remember. Um, so he's going to provide the, the pest factor and the banter. <laughs> Um, but I'm being very deliberate with this, with this Mount Rushmore. I've kind of, I'm almost picking like, a, a, an array of characters rather than just genuine, like partying units. So yeah, I I'm going to go with Libba and then hopefully sort of, hopefully a few good picks. Hopefully the, the picks fall your way. Yeah. Oh, I'm up between two blokes now. Um, okay. Both ex players. Actually, I think. I don't think I've got any current player. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, both ex-players, both known for loving a Fanta as well. Uh, one of them 
Oh no, probably both of them would be viewed a bit as pests. Uh, okay. I think with my second overall selection, I'm going to take Campbell Brown. Oh, good one. Okay, he's on my list actually. Okay. He he would be a laugh at a half. He would be the type of bloke that would like get in the back of a cop car or something. And then as the cops turn around and giving you all a warning, he's busted out and then he's driving the thing away. Well, so, some yeah. classic gag for Campbell Brown. So yeah, I'm going to side with, uh, you know, you've got your version of Brownie. Now I've got my version of Brownie. Yeah. A couple of Browns out in the town, you know, we'll, we'll definitely link up later in the yeah. night. Yeah. Oh, yeah, two groups. yeah. Absolutely. So that's good to hear. All right. Well, that, man, that's given me a, a few options now. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like there's enough. Jono would be great. <laughs> Libra would be loose. Don't know if there's enough fun in my group. Okay. And so I'm kind of thinking, do I go fun or do I go a bit of, bit of an icon? And so I'm going to go fun. I'm going to go the bloke who's going to be providing a lot of the banter, the the chicken palmer uh, of, yeah, of like Mount it. Rushmore. And that's a very uh, a niche <laughs> reference, but shout out. we need palmer. someone who's loud, someone who's funny, someone who's just always up for a good time and obviously puts away piss. So I'm going to go big Bill Brownless. We saw him a few oh, weeks yeah. ago um, before the buy. For Geelong getting up and about, and I think he's going to be ripping everyone, uh, you know, ripping jokes on everyone, and you know, just being a big cuddly, friendly person, sort of can break the ice if we approach some ladies, um, that sort of thing. Almost, <laughs> he would be the one that breaks the ice, so, ah, yeah, <laughs> and sort of provide a bit of that cheerleader effect, like John O'Brien, yeah. pretty good looking bloke. I think maybe I, you know, me and Libba somewhere in the same ballpark, but. Standing next to Billy, I'd I'd be looking pretty good as well. So, um, yeah, Bill Brownless. Smart. <laughs> yeah, I'm being tactical about this yeah. one, mate. So yeah, go I'll tell on, Bill you what, Brownless. That has thrown a bit of a spanner in the works for me because there was there's a Smokey who I thought I might be able to get late, but the bloke that I was tossing up with picking instead of Campbell Brown is still on the board, and I don't think I can let him slip any further. So. Do it. This bloke probably should have been drafted in the first couple. Uh, obviously, it's still my only third pick. I've got Swanee. I've got Brownie. I may as well get Fev as well and just go fucking balls to the walls yeah. and just end up, you know, whatever happens. If we wake up hangover style and we're in another country and I've lost a tooth or I've got a tattoo, that's what bad Mondays are for. I can't let Fev slide any further. So I, I thought that's the man you were going to take, but... Billy Brownless would definitely do a bit better uh, communicating with characters later in the night, I reckon. Yeah, and see that? So I'm thinking this quite holistically. I've thought this through hard, and Fev was definitely on my list, but I did worry about getting into, you know, into real trouble, you know? Yeah. Um, I might not survive think, this Mad Monday, let's be honest. We're going with Swanee, Brownie, and Fev. Yeah, you're going to have a big one. I feel like I'll look back on my Mad Monday and be like, that was one of the best nights of my life. Yeah. You will won't you'll look back and go, oh fuck. I, I don't remember the in, best night of my life. And I can't work with kids anymore. So um <laughs> yeah, Fev, Fev, like with the public urination and stuff, it's kind of 
I thought, yeah. nah, all right, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. All right, so I've got Brownie, I've got Libba, and I've got big, big Bill Brownless, who I'm very happy with. I took. Now I need someone. All right, I'm actually tossing up between two. And I'm, well, I can talk about who I'm tossing up because this is the joy of being just picking yeah, whoever pick I want. First. I'm tossing up between with someone who's going to really attract the ladies in. Mm-hmm. Um, in Bailey Smith, you know, you oh, go out with Bailey Smith. That's a good call. He's actually not even on my list. Fuck, how do I you're gonna have you're gonna have girls coming up. It's just you know he's a real icon at the moment. Um, probably being gonna be watched pretty closely at the moment. Um, should <laughs> yeah. you go out on a mad Monday with Baz? But there is that factor. But then almost in a in a similar vein, I I kind of want to get that Michael Jordan effect. You know how Charles Barkley talked about MJ playing pool and there'll just be 300 people watching. Yeah. I think I could get a bit of that with Buddy Franklin. So oh, they're man. the two I'm tossing up. Now I need to think about what's going to happen on the Mount Rushmore, how it's going to look. They're both going to look good. They will look good. But I think, I think I'm going to go Baz. I think I'm going to yeah, go Baz okay. Smith. He's going to help me help the, you know, attract Attractive people, probably either sex. He's got a bit of status about him. He's a, he's an explosive star, the flowing mullet. Obviously loves to party. Um, so I'll go Baz Smith um, with, you know, sorries to to Lance. Um, hopefully my group has enough gravitas without Lance. Might be too much with Lance if he was that's with a, the group. That's a collection of characters to go on a Mad Monday with. Brownie, Liver, mm. Billy Brown. And Baz Lenka. That's pretty uh pretty tasty. Do you have any other uh, quick it. honorable mentions? Uh you know, Dusty's kind of on mm. there. On um, my list. Had I not got uh Bill Brownless, I would have considered Scotty Cummings. Just another oh, big lovable late on my funny list. guy. Um I don't have my list with me. I've sort of done this one from memory. There were a few others, um, but they're the ones that jumped to mind. A couple of blokes that I had written down who will not be drafted. Um, Jason Paul Pleasure. Oh, no, wrong list. Uh, <laughs> Stuart Jew. I thought he would be uh, an interesting oh, yeah. cat in the source. He could yeah. Maybe he was going to be a very late smoky, if at all. But you go with like a, a Fraser Garrick, because just imagine how many cats are going to come up to you, have a yarn with you, partying with Fraser Garrick. Yeah. Jake yeah. Push-Up King would make sure that you uh, are safe the entire night. Yeah, that's a good and one. And he was going to be my last pick. Uh Richo was also in the mix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually going to pick with my final pick of the draft, the only bloke who I have gone on a party with. Oh, and done a yeah, bender. he was on my list. He was and on I'm my gonna, list. And I'm going to round this draft out by taking Bert Trevor Peak and make sure that Brett yeah. Peak comes on a party with me, Fev Brownie and Swatty. Because if yeah. we're going down with the ship, I want him standing by my side yeah i mean we can attest to brett peak's pestiness pesk peskiness pestiness pestiness and just yep. like man he is a weapon on the on the source so that was he was on that oh the other bloke on, on there and i guess we we sort of get to see some of these blokes out because we've been going out for yeah, 10 yeah. plus years and especially in the west we see a lot of the coasters don't see that many dockers actually now i think about it uh, just Cam McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but we see lots of West Coast Eagles, and I thought 
Andrew Embley, oh, we've yeah. seen him in a few states. So he would have, um, he seems like a weapon and he feels like he goes for it. But yeah, Brett Peake, he was on my list. I thought we should leave him off it um, out of respect, uh, <laughs> yeah. honestly. If but, he slipped yeah, all the no, way he... to pick eight, I was like, nah, I think I'm just going to take him. I'll honestly probably use one of the photos on my phone and the Instagram graphic instead of a footy photo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, well done. That's a good pick. Um, and he's the only bloke you know. You know what you're going to get. We actually know yeah. what we'll, we'll get from him. He's he's great on the beers. And he's got some stories. He's got some and Worst stories. case scenario, if uh, Feb's got arrested for public urination and Campbell Brown's still driving around that cop car, Soddy, Peaky, and I can just hang out and have a couple of fantasy together. Yeah, bloody oath. Meow. Yeah. Very, very solid draft. Uh, oh, I don't know if I can go four and two looking at that. Eh, it'll be tight. It'll be tight once again. But there's a, there's a lot of beer going to be consumed amongst those uh, eight men or oh, ten men because we'll obviously be in tow. It's one of those situations as well where you're, I reckon, how do you not pick Peaky and you'd gone with a, a sort of a more high I was probably going to take Richo. Yeah, like you would probably piss it in, but it feels like a bit like last week. I feel like I was robbed last week, I've just <laughs> got to say, because, I, I, it, because it felt like, I don't know, maybe with that list last week, that it's like if you're in the know and if you, yeah. if you know Peaky, if you're a, someone who's been around the left bank for the last 10 years, you know what he's like, but that I reckon that his pick might be the one that possibly hurts you. Um, so you might have to write a blog post on Brett Peake's antics or something like that. I might, I might have to just do a yeah, a uh, dedicated post to Bert Peake. Hmm. Huge uh, sportsby pod now in the books. I reckon I'll go and uh, edit this one and whack it up ASAP so then we can get people voting because uh, we want to make sure. Very quickly, we realise who is uh, the victor of this epic Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I should just say uh, we are not uh, condoning any uh, untoward activities, and uh, especially substance abuse. That's a serious thing. I thought it we is. should just say that, and uh, those people need support. But you know, on the sauce, on the beers, that's all right. We're Aussies, yep. you know. Drink responsibly, yeah. but have a good time doing it. Uh, especially on a Mad Monday with some of these eclectic characters. Bloody oath, mate. All right, Ripper Podcast. Thanks for joining, JLo. I'll see you next week, mate.